uh, right now we talk a little Major League Baseball and the uh, Major League uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday um, announced that uh, Scott Rowland will be the only inductee this year, garnishing 76.3% of the votes, as you know, it takes 75% of the um, baseball writers' uh, votes to uh, get that. And then one of those esteemed writers is our good friend who joins us uh, right now and joins us a lot from USA Today, the one and only Bob Nightingale. Bob, what is happening, my man? Good, good. Hey, you forgot Fred McGriff. McGriff's on stage, too. Why did I just say, um, yeah, well, that's, you're right. Fred McGriff. Yeah, exactly. That's so let's go. Let's do that. Well, he, was born in, yeah, he was born in December. So it's easy to exactly. forget. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the crime yeah, dog. So we got yeah. two, but still Bob, doesn't that seem a little strange? Like only two. And then one with the announcement that, that gets uh, 75% of the vote yesterday. Yeah. It's just hard to break through. I mean, they, uh, you know, those people that say, ah, he wasn't a hall of famer. You know, you gotta be so exceptional. You know, what just, one percent of the people that ever play the game are in the Hall of Fame. So, you know, everybody's got flaws. I I, I thought on the writer's ballot, the best player on there, uh, you know, you take away the steroid guys with the uh you know, A Rod and May Ramirez was Gary Sheffield. I, I thought yeah. Sheffield is a, a great Hall of Famer. Uh he hasn't come close. Uh Jeff Kent had the greatest offensive uh, stats, uh power hitting stats of any second base who ever lived, and he didn't come remotely close. I know Kent was like forty three percent, and then you know I'm going to get into more of this with you about you know guys falling off the ballot, and and Kent's now falling off the ballot. That was like his last try, and like I said, only forty. I don't, I don't know. And you know, Bob, we go through this every year, and I know that people talk to you about it because again, you're you you get to vote, but it just seems like that this process is always scrutinized each and every year. So for that scrutiny, fair. Or unfair? Well, it's fair. I mean, people, <laughs> you get it both ways. You know, people are going, hey, how can Scott Rowling get in the Hall of Fame? Then the other way, you know, like you just said, it's like, wow, just a, uh, two Hall of Famers by the, by the writers the last three years. And we right. almost pitched uh, two shutouts in three years and three would have been the third shutout since 2013. Now, with the guys coming to Bell, it'll take, you know, uh, Adrian Belcher is in. Joe Mauer has got a very good chance to be in. And, you know, Helton will be in next year, probably Billy Wagner too. So we'll start to see more Hall of Famers and just, just kind of strange time. So why Scott Rowland? Okay. Now I know that he was a seven time all star, an eight time gold glove winner. But again, I mean, I don't know about you, but when you, you're covering the guy and, you know, we're watching Scott Rowland during the course of his career, are, you know, when he comes up to the plate, are we saying, Hey, that's a future Hall of Famer? I mean, I wasn't, but. Why Scott? Why, <laughs> why? Right. So, why Scott Rowland? I think just the, with the analytics now, when people say, "Oh man, look at his WAR score," uh, look, there's only eight third baseman in there. Uh, you know, his eight goal glove, the defense, eighteen well, third baseman. Part. I believe he's the eighteenth third baseman in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the ninth or tenth chosen by the writers. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, you know, I think that. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, he only had barely over two thousand hits. And they, uh, that sounds like a a, a car issue or, uh, or or fire alarm, fire alarm. What do we got? It was was a car issue, but it was my fault from the honking. I didn't see him come out of where. So I almost had a, I almost had a little car car crash. Oh no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. It was my, it was my, it was my fault. Uh, but yeah, my big thing was that the guy played 17 years. 
Only once did he finish in the top 13 MVP voting. Uh, Jeff Kent finished in the top 10 four times. You know, it's like, whoa. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I know people are upset. Say, oh, is it the Hall of Very Good or things like that? So everybody's, everybody's always mad at something. It's really weird because, so when you look at the ballot, it went down like this. Okay, so Scott Rowland gets 76.3, so that gets him in over 75%. Todd Helton's another guy like Roland. Okay, nice player. 72.2. Billy Wagner and a lot of Astro fans were, were climbing for Billy Wagner, you know, relief pitcher. Andrew Jones. I mean, Andrew Jones seems like, you know, he's, he's always there. He's talked about the pride of Curacao. I mean, our, our friends in Curacao called the show yesterday and they're banging the drum. Where's Andrew Jones? We don't get that. And then, you know, the way he tapered off, I guess, at the end of his career, that kind of, you know, he gets him down the list a little bit, but you know, 58.1. And then, like you said, Gary Sheffield, Carlos Beltran, Jeff Kent, and then here's a guy no one's talking about today, Alex Rodriguez at 35% of the vote. Alex Rodriguez still not getting any love. And then there's Manny Ramirez and Omar Vizquel. Well, you know, with the, uh, you know, let's put it this way, I voted for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Every single year, all ten years, right? Uh, I have not and will not vote for Alex Rodriguez and Mara Maris. Uh, those guys flunked drug tests and were suspended. Uh, Clemens and Bonds never flunked a, um, a test and they were never suspended. And all those guys did was help their team win. How can you get in the Hall of Fame when you're suspended an entire season and cost the Yankees a playoff berth? You know, and Rodriguez, mm-hmm. uh, Manny Ramirez. Remember, he crushed the Dodgers that year when he got suspended for PEDs. So I draw the line there. Uh, the Pascal situation, just the off the field with the, uh, uh, you know, sexual assault case and stuff, you know, that, that's what, you know, right. get, got him, you know, he'll fall, he'll fall off the belt completely one of these days. Uh, but too bad because he was a Hall of Fame player. It just seems like with baseball that those off the field issues or the steroid issues, it, despite those guys having, you know, great careers even outside of, of using the steroids, that it just, it just factors in. I mean, it's just like a hard no. And where other sports, we don't see that. And you, it's funny. We talk about Alex Rodriguez, right? And you're, and you're adamant about, you know, no way I'm going to vote for him. And, and your points are valid. I mean, there's no question about that. But let me ask you this, Bob. Why do people just, especially not just people, but networks like ESPN who hires Alex Rodriguez and they, you just seem like, okay, this guy is in a positive light, you know, with the network, he's in a positive light, you know, with people, people still want to gather around and get their pictures taken with him and all that sort of thing. But it's like, okay, this guy's probably never going to get in the hall of fame. Have people forgotten about that? But then again, you know, writers and other people are just going to say, nope, we we're, we're, we're going to hold it against you. But it, it just seems strange how ESPN was just so uh, eager to hire, you know, hire this guy and give him a multi-million dollar contract. Yeah, no, I agree. I was surprised ESPN and MLB is kind of made him, you know, the, the face of baseball yeah. in, in some regards. And uh, yeah, I mean, here's a guy who sued Major League Baseball. He sued the Players Association, you know, when he uh, got suspended and, and everything else. So yeah, it's that part's strange. It drives a lot of uh, people, a lot of players, crazy. Uh, but, you know, hey, he's, he's admitted to it. He says, hey, I was wrong. I was stupid. I did this. Uh, but yet he did it. You know, what are you, you going to do? So that's I don't think, hey, Barry, there's no way in the world he'll ever get in the Hall of Fame uh, if Barry Bonds is in the Hall of Fame. I mean, no way's greater than Barry Bonds unless you want to talk about Babe Ruth. 
so he's got no chance until until Barry Bonds gets in the Hall of Fame. You talked about Bonds, you know, Schilling, Clemens, you know, Sosa. I will throw him in there as well, too. And, you know, are there other guys that feel like you that Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame? Or what's the percentage of, of the writers that just say, hey, you know, you know, no way in the world? I think his last uh, tally was around 61, 62%. Hmm. So, you know, still he's 75. He, and he didn't come close until the last year. You know, he wasn't that close. Uh, my thing was, that was the wild, wild west. I covered that whole era. And uh, the only sin that Barnes made was breaking Hank Aaron's record. If he doesn't break Hank Aaron's record, I think he's in the Hall of Fame. People punish him like he was just, it's almost like he was too good. And so, uh, yeah, there's so many guys, you know, there's got to be at least five to ten guys in the Hall of Fame right now who are steroid users. How... How many guys? Say how many guys? Let me ask you this. Um, so, do people take into account, say, a guy's attitude? You know, when you go try to interview him in the clubhouse or on the field before, or if the guy's just not giving you know reporters uh, the time of day or whatever, it just seems like that that might factor into it too. Is there some grudge holding when it comes to that? You think? I don't think much. I don't think it doesn't exist at all. Mm-hmm. I think it has helped some guys, you know, get, you know, stand about like a Dory Hunter, right. one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, I think he gets, you know, votes because of that. But, you know, hey, Jeff Kent, you know, wasn't a warm and fuzzy guy. He was very similar to Bonds in many ways. But I don't think anyone holds that over Kent and says, okay, he was a, uh, a jerk to me. He wasn't giving me interviews. I don't think people say I'm not going to vote for him for that. I think it existed before. I don't think it exists much at all now. Lou Whitaker, would, would you, you make a case for Lou Whitaker? You can. I mean, people do it because of Trammell. Uh, right. You know, maybe the fact that Trammell played uh, shortstop, and uh, I don't know. It's a uh, with, with Whitaker. I think if you do him, then you're talking about okay, Lou Whitaker's in. Then you can put in Chase Utley and go on and on like that. Are you, you know, uh, are you gonna do a uh, uh, you know Chase Utley plus Jimmy Rollins? So uh, you know Whitaker. That veterans commit ballot uh, several times and hasn't sniffed the Hall of Fame. He didn't even make the ballot last time for even people to vote on him. Right. Yeah. Every year we hear about players falling off the ballot. We we touched upon that, like with Jeff Kent, because of this this time provision. Right. Uh, what is the reasoning for having that time provision there, Bob? A lot of people think it went in to kind of get Bonds and Clemens off the ballot. They didn't want them sticking around for 15 years. I also think dude, the Hall of Fame thought, man, if, you're, if you can't get in the first 10 years, you shouldn't get in at all. Even though we've seen cases like, like Burt Blyblevin, I think he was the 15th year or 14th year. So, you know, Jim Rice, I want to say, was 15th year. Uh, I just thought that just too many guys run the ballot, clog it up. So that's why they went to effect. A lot of people think it was strictly because of the steroid guys Trying to get, you know, trying not to keep Bonds and Clemens on for an extra five years. Mm-hmm. Bob Nightingale joins us, fine writer at the USA Today, covered Major League Baseball a very, very long time. We're talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Scott Rowland, Fred McGriff, uh, they will be inducted into Cooperstown coming up this summer. Bob, with all the scrutiny that we've talked about and people always questioning this time of year, uh, is there ever been discussions to change the criteria or the voting process? 
Not too much, to my knowledge. I know people bring it up, like, hey, how come a, uh, how come a Ben Scully, you know, when he was alive, what, how come he's not voting? How come uh, uh, a Bob Costas and stuff like that? But, you know, it's been that way forever, where it's just a, uh, the baseball writers, you know, qualification is you've got to be in the uh, baseball writer active for 10 straight years to be have a vote. And then when you, uh, when you retire or you, you know, quit the business, I think you get it for another 10 years after that, and, th- and then you're done. But I, I can see that. I, mean, I think the Hall of Fame's point is on guys like the broadcasters is that they work, you know, work for teams. Right. You know, does that mean Vince Scully would have to, you know, vote vote for every Dodger that came in, that sort of thing? So I just think they wanted to make sure there was no conflicts. Yeah, and I, I guess my question is more along the lines of you know this situation here, where okay, it's seventy five percent, you know, where should should the criteria maybe or the percentage be lowered? Should there be different ways to look at it? And it just seems like in in everything, whether it's you know competition committees in every sport or just you know businesses in general, they usually you know kind of look at things you know every few years to say, okay, are we getting this right? Can there be should there be some changes in the way we approach things. Do you, do you think that there should be some adjustments made when we're talking about who and how to elect you know, people into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you could lower it, but I think the one thing you could change if the, if the Hall of Fame wanted to is just like the NFL, I don't, know, I don't know about the NBA, but there's no character clause. Uh, you know, you can commit murder if you had a great career you're in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, not like they took down O.J. Simpson's plaque in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, with what happened there. So you could do it with a character clause, and that way all you're doing is just going strictly on performance. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, moving off of that, Bob, uh, we got the news uh, last week, uh, Trevor Bauer released by the Dodgers. Uh, do you think anybody picks this guy up? I don't. Yeah. Uh, I really don't. I just think it's a, uh, a PR nightmare. Uh, I think it'd be create a circus wherever he goes. Uh, I think the teammates would have a hard time with it. It'd be one thing if he was a, a guy in the clubhouse that everybody loved, but he's such a polarizing guy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's why. I mean, you know, I know the argument, hey, should he be suspended just for being in the, uh, you know, in the deviant sex acts, that, that sort of thing. But hey, there's you know three different women that said they went to the hospital. Right. That's right. I just I just can't see uh, a team doing that. Plus, you're going to risk. I would think you'd have some corporate sponsors saying, "Wait a minute, now I don't. I'm not. I mean, my ads on TV when this guy's pitching. Right. I mean, so what? You know, this guy's still what uh, in his early 30s, right? 31, 32 years old. Yeah, and, I think he just turned. I just think he turned 32. Yeah. yeah. What do you think happens to to him? I mean, does he go play in Japan? Would he be welcomed over there? Or I mean, it sounds like, and I think I agree with you. We've probably seen the last of Trevor Bauer in Major League Baseball, right? I would think so. I know people have brought up, well, can he go to Korea? Can he go to a uh, Japan? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I think there's some kind of thing with Korea that hey, you have, if you're involved in anything like that, you know, mm-hmm. they don't want you. I'm I'm not sure about uh, Japan, so it's possible, you know, particularly if someone you know gives them you know that that kind of money. Uh, but I, I don't know, you know, he probably doesn't need the money, you know, first of all, just because he made, just made about you know seventy million dollars from the Dodgers. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of of 
the other leagues, you know, South Korea, Japan. I'm just wondering, Bob, I mean, are you just been kicking back there uh, at your, your chalet there, your mansion there in, in, in Arizona, or are you, are you touring around or are you going anywhere? Because I, I thought Bob might Nightingale just might be at the Venezuelan championship game. You know, the other day where Ronald Acuna Jr. went deep. Now, Bob, I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, we got to play this because this this is a classic call. And I'm going to ask you to translate it for me afterwards. Última hora, encrejido y la volvió a dejar pasar. Y aquí. Atazo grande por el center field. Allá la bola se va, se va, se va, se va. Candela, señores, Rona la cuña voló la cerca por el centerfield. Una más para la Guaira que ahora gana 5 a 3. Hoy no lo han hecho out a Rona la cuña. Bueno, y ahora cuña, ahora sí es verdad que de aquí para abajo las pistas van a ser. <laughs> I like that part. Bob, what did he say? I, it's a home run. I get that. <laughs> I'm saying uh, what he should have said, or what he said, what he should have said was, man, did you see that crazy bat flip and him walking to first base? Yes. And showing up the other team. Right. And let, let's see what happens. The next eight guys are going to get hit that come to the plate. That's what he should have said. Right. And exactly. There's no way in the world you can do that in the United States. Just zero chance. Without, you imagine doing that and Max Scherzer's on the mound. Oh, oh my God. Forget about it. Exactly. And he was like posing. He's just like, you know, going down the line. And I, I think it took him like 30 seconds just to get to first base. When I saw that video, it, it cracked me up. But this is what is so acceptable, you know, in Puerto Rico, Venezuela, all these other places, right? And then these guys try to bring that aspect to Major League Baseball and, you know, the Jose Bautista bat flip years ago and everything. And then, you know, whoa, you know, American players and managers say, no, we're not having any of this. There just seemed to be a big disconnect there, huh? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been to WBC games and stuff, and particularly ones in Miami are a blast. Yeah. Uh, it's fun to see the enthusiasm and stuff, but there still is a thing called, you know, sportsmanship. You know, it's like you just can't do that. I don't think there'll ever be a day you can go that far. I mean, people went crazy over the Batista bat flip, but oh, it just had a sheer emotion. This one with the Kuna is like, oh, it went a little, a little too far. It's one thing to flip your bat, but just to kind of, uh, do that. Uh, you know, I mean, we've always seen part of it. Remember, you know, Dennis Eckersley used to be very flamboyant to the mound. Yep. We used to have guys, uh, how was it? Uh, someone was, you know, like blowing smoke at, like they used to fire off a pistol. You know, <laughs> right. Kind right. of blowing smoke in the air. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen that, but not, uh, <laughs> but not to that degree. I don't think I've ever seen something like that. The only thing is that you worry about is little kids see it. Yeah. And like, oh my God! Okay, if he can do it, yeah, I'm gonna start doing that in my little league game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff, man! Uh, real quick here, we look at uh, the free agent signings. We've we've had uh, you know, quite a few, man, and a lot of money being being shelled out. Uh, give me your quick take on uh, winners and losers here in the off season. Well, certainly the uh, uh, San Diego Padres. I mean, you get a guy like Xander Bogarts coming in there. You know, that's unbelievable. Uh, that you know getting a shortstop that's so good that you're moving a Tatista to the outfield. Uh, you know, and then the Philadelphia Phillies, we get Trey Turner there and get Taiwan Walker. You know, the Mets did a nice job. Uh, the Cubs spent over $300 million, including Danby Swanson. So uh, those are the teams that jump out the most. I think the most fascinating team really 
is the Dodgers. The Dodgers have done so little, but yet they're still so good. It's like, you know, can you imagine if they won the World Series or even went deep in October? I think it'd be a greater accomplishment than winning the 2020 COVID World Series because just doing it pretty much with uh, largely homegrown players would know, be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. All right. I'd be remiss if we didn't uh, bring up our good friends team here, uh, the Houston Astros. They uh, Dana Brown is uh, their new general manager. Uh, just just signed today, and we know that uh, you know Brown has been around the Blue Jays organization and also the Braves. Uh, give me your thoughts uh, regarding Dana Brown and the fit there, uh, taking over for James Click and uh, you know working with Dusty, of course, and then if, uh, also Jim Crane, the owner. Absolutely love the move, love it. I heard last week it was a front runner. I heard this morning he got the job. Uh, I couldn't be more happy, really, in the sense where this guy is a uh, a great scout at heart. I mean, he found uh, a bunch of Atlanta guys. You know, Spencer Strider right. finished second rookie of the year. Uh, Michael Harris, you know, one rookie of the year. Uh, you know, he's paid his dues, and uh, you know, historic too. It's cool, and this is only the second time in baseball history we've had a black GM and a black manager. Yep. Uh, you know, on the same time. The only other time was Kenny Williams and Jerry Manuel. Uh, you know, back from 2000 to 2003 with the White Sox. Right. So, but yeah, this guy, uh, everybody loves this guy. I've never heard anybody. He's like, they say he's like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Mm-hmm. You know, so nice. You, you know, he shouldn't be in baseball. He's that nice of a guy. But no, I've heard not, you know, nothing but great, great st- uh, things about him. You know, and give Jim Crane some credit <laughs> as well, too. I mean, for, you know, making this move and, and again, you know, hiring Dusty, you know, three plus years ago and, you know, in, in doing, you know, these, these type of things. And we know that Crane took kind of a larger role last year, uh, because we know there was some disconnect there, you know, with, with James Click and everything. But I agree with you. I think, I think it's a great move. And as we know, a lot of these, you know, owners, not just in baseball, but other sports as well, too. They're very slow moving, you know, when it comes to diversity and other aspects like that. I got to give Jim Crane, I don't know how much time you spent with him, but I got a chance to spend a little bit of time with the guy. Uh, I, I think he's fantastic. Yeah. You know, we've gone to dinner several times, went to dinner, you know, during the playoffs last year. Uh, I really enjoy him. I mean, he took a chance in Dusty when Dusty was pretty much done. Yes. Uh, you know, being out of the game. No, no one did that. Here's a funny little story for you. Is that so? Dana Brown, he had interviewed twice before once in uh, for the Mets job when he went to Sandy Alderson, the other one was in Seattle when he had uh, Jerry DePoto. And if he got the Seattle job, he had told the Mariners ownership, If I get it, I'm bringing Dusty Baker in as my manager. This is like five, six, seven you know, years ago. And so that's how much he uh, respected and admired Dusty back then. So very cool now that they're back together. That is. That is, that is the first time. Yeah. Absolutely. No, looking forward to this season with that. And what do you think? Uh, give us real quick teams to look out for. And uh, let's start with the Astros. I mean, is there a possibility they go back to back? Very good. I mean, you know, it's so hard to do. You know, we haven't seen since the uh, Yankees. Uh, they're still the, you know, they're still the pride of the, uh, of the division. Mm-hmm. I know the AL West has gotten better. The Angels should be better. Seattle, you know, gave everybody a scare last year. But, you know, they should still win that division. And then uh, and then we'll see. Uh, and they let Justin Berliner walk away without even blinking. Like, hey, we, we really don't need the guy. Yeah. <laughs> we, love what he did. we love what he did, but we're not sure he can do it again. So let's him, let him walk. Uh, you know, I love getting Jose Abreu. Great guy for the clubhouse. I hope he still has, 
you know, enough left. Right. Uh, so yeah, uh, that, they'll be great. Padres and kick. I saw where the Padres now are capping their season ticket sales in a couple of days. They're going to sell out every game this season. <laughs> so, you know, you can't help but get excited, you know, uh, uh, about that team. Uh, Philadelphia, you know, love Philadelphia. Uh, what they've done. Trey Turner, I think, is one top five players in, in baseball. Yep. So I, I think to be a, a, a very good club to watch watch for. And of course, you still have the Mets. You still have uh, you still have Atlanta. Uh, but yeah, it seems like a, a lot more powerful teams in the National League you know, than, than the American League. Right. All right. I don't know if you've uh, got your calendar out yet, uh, Bob, and uh, you already you know what you're doing. You know, come opening day and stuff like that. But uh, I've uh, I've got it circled out there to go see the Astros open up against the White Sox. It happens to be Final Four. Uh, same time in Houston. I'm I'm already ready to go, Bob. Are you going to meet me out there? Where do you think you're going to be opening weekend? Tell you what, I made my hotel room maybe uh, two months ago. Yeah, and uh, so I'm all set for Houston. But the difference between me and you is uh, I'm not coming to Final Four. Those hotel rates go from about two hundred dollars <laughs> until about a thousand dollars on that on that Friday. I know. So I'm going I'm to see the season opener. Not leave the next day, so I can't stay around like you can. No, come on, <laughs> big budget there, Bob. Come on, I mean USA Today, they got they got big pockets. Come on now, let's, let's go. What you gonna charge? I can, okay, can you bring a sleeping bag for me? And I'll just do a sleep in your room. There you go. I can see all four games. Yeah, okay. you know that that is a fu- that is a funny story because I had a guy. So I went to the Final Four in New Orleans last year, and uh, same thing. I had a buddy of mine. He said, "Hey, you you know you could you could stay with uh, with me because I wasn't sure if I was gonna go or not." I go, "Okay, that's fine. I'll do it." And what I do, he's got two other guys. He's got two other guys in there. And I go, what are you doing? I go, this isn't summer camp. I'm not in seventh grade. I go, I am not sleeping with three other dudes. And I said, and he goes, okay, you can have the bed. You can have the bed. And Bob, it was, it was a nightmare. And I dreaded this thing. Like for like two nights, I go, how am I going to put up with this? Luckily for me, I don't know if I scared the guys out of the room or what, but the bottom line was they spent most of the night on Bourbon Street and everything. So at least I got some sleep and I did get the bed. Yeah. I mean, when you're in New Orleans, uh, <laughs> if you get in before seven o'clock in the morning, it's, it's a, it's an early, it's an early night. Uh, I still remember that. I still remember the time when, uh, winter rings are in New Orleans. Uh, last night there, uh, Kevin Towers, Bruce Bochy, go hit the casino, Harris Casino, uh, strike it big. It both went over $20,000. They come in at seven o'clock in the morning. Kevin Towers walks into a suite. He forgot he had a staff meeting that morning because before the rule five draft, he throws his money up in the air and says, guys, just draft whoever the hell you want. I'm going to bed. <laughs> That's, <what> <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> That's a great story. Oh, too funny. That's New, Orleans. That's New Orleans. That's New Orleans. There you go, man. All right. All right. Well, good. All right. Well, we'll see if uh, you know, I'll I'll have a sleeping bag ready for you right there. You know, right 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 next, right next to the door. How's that? All right. I'll use I'll use the, lo- I'll use the bathroom lobby to help you. Thank you very much. There you go. All right, brother. Hey, appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy the rest of your off season and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Take care, buddy. That's my guy. There is Bob Nightingale, the USA Today.